Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Oh, a little bit of a time lag there. Time lerp, whatever. Uh, well, welcome, everybody, to this week's Matrix discussion group call for Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, this beautiful Sunday, first day of the week, not the seventh, not the Sabbath. Um, well, I say beautiful. It's kind of wet and rainy down here in Southwest Florida right now. Uh, part of the storm that's blowing through, I know it's blowing through the northwest right now. It's supposed to be dumping a bunch of snow, from what I've heard, into the northeast, uh, I guess, maybe the last Yahoo or whatever for winter for them. Um, but that's what makes it all the more enjoyable to be down here at this time of year. But anyway, we were uh, having a conversation about a number of different topics just before we started the recording. So uh, I'm just going to leave this open for us to uh, continue with those conversations. If the gentlemen that we're on still want to continue with that. Of course, everybody goes silent when I do that. Uh, somebody asked about administrative process and the steps to it. So I guess I'm going to have to yank that back out of my memory. Um, I, I mentioned prior to the call being recorded that that can be found on Tactical Sovereignty. You just go and hit the group search bar. It says search in group and just put in administrative process. There's a great article there that gives it to you, and it also has a lot of other uh, good information featured on it as well on that link. And then you can share that link to whoever you want, save it, or on clipboard, whatever you want to do. Uh, the administrative process is really basically pretty simple. Um, I've, just, I've had a busy week. I, I meant to go look that up so I could actually post it from the code that the U.S. is supposed to follow regarding it. And it's something everybody sees when it comes to, like, defaulting on credit cards, whatever the case may be, where, you know, they'll send you a letter, you know, demanding payment, da-da-da. And that's actually what they're doing with you. Uh, they're doing the administrative process. Although they really want the money, they, they don't want to follow through with anything um, court-wise just because that just costs them a lot more money, a lot more time. And especially, they have to weigh the value. <clears throat> That's one of the important things people need to comprehend, especially with debt collectors, is they have to weigh the value of the debt. If they're coming after you for $689, okay, um, is it cheaper for them just to keep sending you letters and scare letters and calling you on the phone? Um, or what would happen if they're going to have to actually get one of the multiple attorneys that they hire that don't even work for them necessarily uh, to come and serve you, which costs money. Uh, it's going to be two or three hundred bucks. And then uh, hopefully meet you in court and hope that you don't show up so they can get a default judgment against you. Uh, either way, that money or time for that attorney is going to cost a bunch of money. And they're going to be in the bucket for well over that $689 or whatever it is. 
so that's one of the things they kind of weigh out is what the real value is. Um, uh, more often than not, uh, listening uh, today actually to uh, an attorney from the banks, what he was saying in an interview that uh, he was on was that they're coming to a point now, though, where they are taking people to court mostly because they are all, the attorneys, et cetera, are all part of the racket for making the court money. And the money being made from the court is not an amount that is collected from you. It's actually the profit and the bonds that are drawn up on the case. And they're saying, screw the other stuff. We're just going after the bonds that get drawn up. And I think everybody, well, not everybody, but people are becoming more and more familiar with bonds related to court cases, uh, bonds that are placed on prisoners, and and, and that kind of information. Because that rabbit hole goes pretty deep as well. Yeah. Brian, may I? Absolutely. What's up, bro? All right. You know, you just said something. One of the key things that they're wanting us to do is when we go Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. He referred to me, Brian, so everybody knows who I am. Who who is this? This is Mike in Chattanooga. There you go. Just for everybody listening. Thanks. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Uh, You know what they're wanting us to do? You know, they're wanting a contract with us. Like, say I go buy a car. They're going to want me to register it into their system, and so they're going to take ownership over it. That's the contract right there. They own my car. I don't own it then because I pledged it over to them, and then they can tell me what to do with it. Right. Have you noticed they, that? Yeah, and you control what you own. And if they own it, they get to control it. Yeah, but I accidentally pledged it to them unknowingly, see? Well, you know what? Uh, people should have got pulled out a book. Pull out a dictionary, looked up that word register to see what registering does. And what's the maximum of law? He that will be fooled, let him. We'll take advantage of that. Yes. Exactly. So what we've got to do is unregister it and pull it back out of their ownership and back to our ownership and control. Yep, and then that, that would kill that contract, wouldn't it? Because right now... They're playing it as they own it, and there's a contract with us, and we have to perform. That's why they require you to have insurance, the tag, blah, 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 you know. Right. And, and as, far, as far as cars go, I put, I put all that info into a playlist on YouTube for Brian Parker, Brian with a Y, Brian Parker, Tactical Sovereignty on YouTube, and look at my playlist called Cracking the Vehicle Code. Uh, because it's right there, and there's a girl that she explains how she got her original title for the vehicle from the manufacturer. Okay, yes, that's the way to do it, isn't it? Go back and, and get the MSO. Yeah, yeah because that's the original title. Uh, I remember a few years ago, there was a guy I knew down the road from me that operated a store. Um, oh, I'll give him a plug. Uh, it was called Tuesday Morning. Tuesday morning was actually started by a guy that would go to around the different sales of stores that were liquidating. And every Tuesday morning, he would have a sale at his garage, in his garage from his home. And people would come and buy all this high 
high-priced, high-name merchandise for cheap, right? We end up opening stores all over the place. There's like two or three in my county now. Um, anyway, the manager of the store called me up. He says, yeah, he says, you know, uh, I was given eight of the electric scooters by a corporate uh, to sell on our on our Tuesday morning sale. He says, somebody brought one of them back. As I said, it doesn't work. He said, I can do one of two things. He said, it's going to send me more money to send it back to the company than it's worth. Or two, I can throw it in a dumpster. I guess, actually, there's a third option. He exercised the third option. He said, I'll call you and see if you want to buy it. I said, sure. I said, what do you want? He said, 30 bucks. So no problem. I went and gave him 30 bucks for this little electric scooter, but which I used uh, during Hurricane Charlie down here. Kind of, it's kind of fun to run around and look at things. But uh, I, t- I took the scooter home and I said, okay, it's an electric scooter. It's run by battery. It's, it's only wiring. So all I need to do is check the wiring from the battery to the ignition. That really should be all there is to it. I opened up the panel on the top of it for the ignition. Guess what? Whoever had put it together had never clicked the wiring coming from the battery to the ignition. I clicked it together. It started right up. <laughs> you know? So it, a lot of shit's really more simple than we think. Yeah, it is. It, it, but it's knowing what to do. Okay, it 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 was that simple, but you took the steps to complete that, and that original guy didn't take those steps. See that that's something to point out right there. Is we need to go beyond being lazy, you know, take that steps to investigate. Well, the second thing that happened was kind of interesting because I thought, okay, am I able to operate this on the road? I don't know. So I went down to the local DMV. I just walked in. I asked the girl. I says, you know, I. Got this little like scooter. I says, I don't know if I can operate on the road or not. I mean, this was like ten years ago before I knew Jack, which I barely do now anyway. But uh, she asked me. She said, "Well, is it kick started or is it key started?" It is key started. And she said, "Well, then you'll need a plate." And I said, "Okay." And I told her how I had acquired it, and she said, "Well, we need uh, the certificate." certificate that comes from the manufacturer. That would be the MSO. They wanted the MSO for me to register it. So I guarantee I never went and I had it. I found it. never took it to them. But I guarantee if I took that MSO down there to them, they would have basically confiscated the MSO, giving me over a certificate of title instead, and registered it. And And created a bond. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And that was the first time I ever heard of a manufacturer's certificate of origin. So when finding out things about our cars or autos on the road, it's like, oh, now this all makes sense. Yep. But the key thing is, is they're setting up a bond in the background. You know, that's where their funding's coming from. Oh, yeah, they're drawing a bond on everything. Absolutely. I I was thinking uh, today on my journeys, my mind just wandering while I was uh, traveling down the road. Um, and I heard somebody at work there today, they, they asked one of the customers, oh, where do you bank at? It had something to do with the conversation they were in. 
And they said, oh, well, uh, I break a key bank. And I said, oh, you must be a millionaire. And I thought back, and I'm like, yeah, that's right, key bank. You, you, that's like private banking. You have to be like big bucks to have an account there. And I was like, huh, remember what happened if you went into one of those banks, like key bank, with uh, just your authenticated certificate of life birth or a certified copy of it? Said, yeah, I want to open an up account, and we're going to use this to establish it. I'm going to use this bond. Because that, that's what a lot of those people do. They establish those accounts on a lot of the bonds that they have. Well, okay, so you said that. I'm just wondering. You know, like uh, they want everybody to get a license. You know, like the lady that's cutting hair down the street, they have her uh, go and, and get a license to her business. They create a bond right there, and that's why they want everybody licensed because every license carries a bond behind it. The driver's license, I've been told there's a $10 million bond that's put in place behind that, and that's what this insurance floats behind. You know, like when they require you to get insurance for the car, it's really coming from that driver's license bond. Well, and that's why they love writing tickets and having car accidents and stuff like that. Is uh, they're they're popping that bond every time. Yeah, tons. I of. mean, but from stuff I had researched uh, a couple of years ago, I really came to the opinion that uh, whatever action happens in court over small things like that, tickets or whatever, uh, that say it's one hundred and fifty bucks, you know. Um, I really have come to the opinion that whatever that amount is, is only 10%. That they're making nine times off from that through the fractional lending system. Or the, or the fractional banking system, rather. You, you nailed it when you said that. Now, can I change the subject just a wee bit? Because you said something there. I got a letter from Walmart today. I've, I've got a Walmart credit card. And it says on there, uh, in parentheses, down in, in real small print, that they can convert a debt into e-debt. You know, in other words, you know, it can, they can take a debt and sell it to another bank by digital means. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I remember when I got the mortgage for the home that I'm in right now. That <clears throat> the day I signed the paperwork for at the closing table which I have always thought it's funny. It's called a closing table. Well, if that's a closing table, then how can people go through foreclosures? But anyway, when I sat down and signed the paperwork for that, and that paperwork was no less than 70 pages that I had to either sign or initial multiple times on. Over 70. But I remember that um, this broker made it a point to let me know. He said, just so that you're fully aware, <clears throat> in a week from now, a month from now, you may get a statement from another company wanting your mortgage payment other than this company here that's being listed. He said, in fact, he said, it wouldn't surprise me that even by the end of the day today that this mortgage gets sold to another company. And, and yes, and that's, that's what that's 
that's, that's really what all these their money at. doing. That's what they. I think they do with uh, like when we fill out for a credit card, they're they put that bank the bond in position right then, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And and you just mentioned something important when you, when you said basically you were alluding to filling out the application. Um. I said something about going in and using the search bar in the group. Um, I recommend anybody go in the search bar for the group, and you might even just go do this over Google, and type in the words, something strange is starting to make sense. And uh, this was a guy that he had an issue with some credit cards, and so he did a couple things. And a friend of his contacted him and said, hey, I'm having the same thing. He said, what did you do? And and what this guy did is he contacted those companies and he asked them, he said, "Um, I would like to see a copy, an original copy that I had signed to this agreement and um, any numbers associated to that application. Because those numbers are all the different bond numbers. And what happened to him is like a week or two later, he got a letter back from the credit card companies that uh, the accounts are closed and there is no amount due. Well, okay, did he lose the right to use the credit cards after that? I'm not sure what occurred with him. I'll tell you what occurred with me. Because I didn't do it the way he did. I heard his info, gosh, about two or three years after I had done something. I had been contacted by Discover uh, because I owed, I don't know, 1200 bucks or whatever on the Discover card. <clears throat> and I asked them something very similar. And, you know, I, I wanted to see the agreement, da da da. Can you please send that to me? Um, and. They, they said, no problem. And this just happened over phone, which today I would never do anything over phone. I would say do everything in writing. Um, but this was before I knew squat. And what happened with me was a week or two later, they sent me a letter saying my account was closed and I owed nothing. The funnier thing that happened to me was that about two months after that, Discover sent me a brand new credit card with a brand new credit limit. Wow. Well, you know, shouldn't we be able to pay a credit card with our own private money order? Shouldn't they be able to take that with our signature on it, monetize it, set the bond in place, discharge or offset the debt? Well, that there is information that I know some people probably mastered, and they don't come online to tell us about it. Uh, but Eon, Eon2 on YouTube, he's going over that in depth because we, we know it's the signature that really creates the money. Uh, that's what really frees up the account for them to access. So uh, he, he's been covering that, and I, I think he calls it our style money order or whatever. But what it really comes under is tender of payment. People have to understand what tender of payment means. Because everybody thinks that tender of payment means you're going and writing a check and mailing it in, and you're ten- that's tendering a payment, and that's probably what they want you to think. But 
a tender of payment is an offer of payment. And there's nowhere where it's disposed of the only kind of payment that will be accepted. So you can tender anything you want. And if they don't come back with a valid reason for not accepting it, then a payment offered is a payment made. It's a payment received. Well, they couldn't come back and and say anything that, I mean, if I offer to pay them and they say they don't want it, well, that that still is offset anyway. People can go to their credit card agreements. You can go to your mortgage agreement. Find the sentence, find the paragraph on there that said, we only accept uh, Federal Reserve notes or USDA. U.S. Bank drawn checks or FDIC checks or money orders as payment. Find that. Because you're not going to find it anywhere in there. Because they're not going to, they cannot dictate what form of payment they give it to you. Now, or that you give it to them in. Now, there is things written up that the tender of payment should be received back in the form that it was given, which means if the bank gave you Federal Reserve notes, okay, then I expected that your tender of payment will be in Federal Reserve notes. All right? But in a situation of a mortgage, even in a credit card, where was there any Federal Reserve notes received? I mean, I, I know when I signed my mortgage, uh, nobody went and slapped down uh, a box full of Federal Reserve notes for me to take care of the debt to the old owner with. That never happened. I was never afforded Federal Reserve notes. And even with a credit card, you're never afforded Federal Reserve notes. You're afforded credit. Okay? So if they give you credit, then you should be able to give credit back in consideration of the debt in a form of your tender of payment. Exactly. And when you, but you got to say that in consideration, don't you? That's a key word when you're using credits. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people have never known what the word consideration really means. But we think it means to be considerate of each other. Don't step on uh-huh. my foot. It means value. <laughs> Yep. And valuable yeah. consideration, see? Yeah, it's something of value. Yep. And, and that's one of the things, too. Um, I mean, driver's license is a hot-button issue for a lot of people. Because a lot of people don't research this information until they get in trouble. And most people's troubles normally start with traffic tickets or DUIs, hopefully not. But it normally does. That's Nobody pays attention until they're faced with a problem. And that's one of the things that happened when people went, for instance, and got a driver's license, is they gave up that right, I hate to use the word, but quote-unquote right to travel, as the Supreme Court has even said on numerous occasions that everybody has, they forfeited that right in exchange to join a private membership association that has its own rules and regulations. Exactly. Now, Now, when they surrendered that. Actually, they didn't surrender it. They gave it up in exchange. They exchanged their rights to get a license from like the DMV. Here's the problem. There was no valuable consideration given back to the man or woman from the DMV. 
No. But you know, what that's like, though, is, you know, when you, you buy a home and you got to pay those uh, ground fees and stuff in the community, what's that called? Oh, that's a homeowner's association. That's homeowner's your monthly dues. Yeah, when you yeah, join in the dues. That's, that's the way they're kind of playing the driver's life. You've kind of done like that. Yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's exactly the way they've done it. And if you don't pay your monthly dues or whatever at your homeowners association, at the end of the year, you're not allowed. You're no longer allowed to use their streets or roads to access the property that you own. Yep. Well, I think they can even, like, if you owe that, they can take a foreclosure over your house and and sell it to get. Those fees, can't they? Oh, yeah, 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 because that's written into the contract as well. And also, since you are no longer able to access that home, that property that you own or you think you own, then in their viewpoint, I guess you could also say that they looked at it as you've abandoned the property. Oh, yes, they love that word abandoned. And that's why I recommend to everybody. I, mean, I, I did it during Hurricane Irma down here. Uh, the waters were rising. The eye of the storm was getting ready to hit. I wanted to move my vehicle to higher ground. I made sure and put a note in the window of my vehicle on the dashboard that this vehicle was not abandoned. Um, I was on the freeway today, driving back and forth up to Tampa. And I noticed vehicles alongside the road. And they go and they put police will come along and they'll put that great big orange sticker on the window of it. That sticker that's like impossible to remove, you know, no matter what you want to try and use. And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, gee, why can they put that on there? Because it's abandoned property. Yes, because they wait three days before they put it on there, if you'll notice. Right. But at the same time, you've got X amount of time, normally three days to remove it. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to have to come to them and pay to get it back. Buy it because you abandoned it. Yep, they considered abandoned freight. And there's a law well, somewhere that whenever there's abandoned freight and it has something to do with safety, that uh, other laws take over. In other words, like the guy can come by, you know, the record company and pick that car up and take it somewhere because it's considered a safety violation by being wherever it's at. Well, let, let's go Let's go deeper than this. Let's go deeper than this. When a child is born, uh, they take down all the information for a birth certificate, whatever the case, you know, so that can be created, so that event can be registered. The event is not the birth. The event is the creation of a new transmitting utility, okay? And that way they can register as a new corporation partnership, I would like to look at it as. Okay. Or and or, or it's just well, right sitting there. Well, it well, can be right. Well, well, hold on, hold on. But that event doesn't get registered. People look at like a certificate of life birth until generally at least on the average ten days after they're born. I was born on the fourth. My certificate of life birth was registered on the fourteenth. 10 days, okay, which 10 days within a county is the correct time for service of process for notice to somebody, for them to respond, 
Yes, okay. and what that is is like that three days with that orange sticker is that ten days represents the same. So they put a right. red sticker somewhere, hadn't they? And and what they'll do is after I mean if the correct address military post is listed um, for the parents, the mom, dad, whatever for the child that they will send that info immediately to the parents to look over and see whether or not everything on there is correct. And if there is a problem, they are supposed to contact Federal Statistics immediately. And nobody ever does. What are they supposed to do? They are being given an attempt to claim that property. Okay, let's say that that, that happens. Let's just say, and they send me that notice. What kind of correction should I do to that account to keep claim of it instead of it going to them? What is the update that needs to be done to that business? Well, you know. I know one thing, it's got to come out of the federal zone because, see, they added a zip code to it first in all this military terms. So that's one thing that's got to be updated on it and pull it out of the federal zone. Yeah, and I want to say one of the things that I either talk about or post in Tactical Sovereignty about, I only really post or talk about things I've actually done and or seen results from, and I haven't been in this position yet. But I, I would say that one of the things that needs to be listed there, it would be like the address like you were talking about, because that address that's listed there is for that foundling um, child hospital. Well, I don't want that to be the last known address for my child because it's my property. Plus, that's a military hospital. Right, yeah, that's what that's pretty much what I just said. Yeah. And I don't want that to be the last known place. And, and so I think that is the point where a claim needs to be made or I don't know. Okay. I'd have to sit and look at a certificate of live birth and pick through it, I guess. Okay. I don't know this, but I'm thinking this, Brian, is the doctor becomes the owner also. He's the dad that claims that. Oh, absolutely. The father needs to claim it because they, that is one of the things that would have to be corrected on there is because what they do on that certificate of live birth is they separate the mother and the father from each other. All of a sudden, oh, you thought they were married? No, now they're separated. Because the father's listed with his name and surname, and then the mother's listed with her name and her maiden name. So there's a disconnect, which means, okay, this woman, by the last name of Smith, has given birth. There's a guy here with the last name of Jones. So evidently there's no father. That There's no... There's no husband, no real parent. So two parents patria, the state needs to come in and administrate uh, this child or the estate of this child, rather. And, and so here's what I think, is that doctor is captain, you know, whatever his last name is, and he has taken over that abandoned freight right there. It's Because it's, you know, after some uh, 10 days, he gets to take over that abandoned freight, is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? Well, yeah, yeah, the doctor could, but the majority of these doctors have no clue about this. And so since it's sitting there abandoned, uh, the state comes in. 
ends up getting registered to the state. And it being registered to the state, the state's going to take care of it. Just like the vehicle or the car, auto, is registered to the state, that means the state's going to be able to dictate what happens with that car. Does it have to have inspections done? Does it need to have insurance? Does it have to have new registration every year, et cetera, et cetera? Right. Well, what happens is the state becomes the beneficiary then because they laid claim to it, didn't they? That's what I have been saying for a long time. This is all a trust organization. It's it's all a trust set up from the beginning. You know, we were created by some creator. Uh, the creator placed me in here as, I believe, a co-trustee and beneficiary to take care of the planet and everything. And the state has come in, and it's plopped its ass down on the seat of the most holy, okay, and it's placed itself instead of just the grantor. Now it's even taken the role of beneficiary so that everything that gets paid gets paid back to the state. Okay, so that would it would make sense to me is I need to update that captain-doctor relationship and restate that as the father is, is taking over that position. All right. This, this or, is what or, or the beneficiary has. Okay? The beneficiary okay. could take over that position. Give them 30 days to uh, rebut that the beneficiary is is the named man on that account? All right. Here's the situation. What has happened, like with certificate of live birth, like I said before, it's an event that has been created, okay? Well, this event was the creation of a new transmitting utility. That new transmitting utility is not the boy or girl. It's not the child. It is that office of person that was created by U.S. Inc., whatever, uh, go to Title I. Like I always say, you want to find out what happened? Go to the very beginning. You'll find out what happened. Title I, I think Section 8, talks about person. Okay? And yeah, so what happened? That, Brian, wouldn't you say that well, that's just, a Walmart Corporation? Oh, well, it exactly is. I mean, you can find it on, done in Bradstreet, probably right next to Walmart. Okay. Then somebody gets to own that Walmart business, don't they? Right. But I'm going to address that right now. And here's the thing. They have to comprehend that what they established, they registered an organization or an agency. Okay? And it's our choice whether we want to represent that agency or not. Everybody going to court and stuff is representing that agency, and they just don't realize it. And they are not conducting that agency correctly in the eyes of the state, and that's why they get fined and stuff, right? And or, the way or the state, they the don't way, have authorization, right? Right. Well, okay. I'm getting into. I'm getting. I'm going to get into that. Hold on, just a second, bro. So, the reason why the state's able to do that is because they created it. That's their agency. They're the holder of the title to that agency, so they get to dictate it. But with everything the state does, or government, whatever everybody wants to think, they have to leave room for remedy for the people. And in that situation, if you go and look at uh, 28 U.S.C. 1733, it talks about creating an original title. The original title is created through authentication. 
when the authentication process is completed, like that statute says correctly, okay, you are the holder and owner of that business or of that organization, and you've taken that out of the hands of the state. At that point, you can move that organization wherever you want. I've moved that organization back to the republic that everybody thought was created. So now it's out of their jurisdiction. Well, now that's smart right there, okay? Because, uh, you know, there is, a, you could set it up as a sole beneficiary somewhere in, in that paperwork that you're doing and pull it back to the original uh, republic, like you just said. That pulls it out of their jurisdiction, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, this might be a good time for me to read uh, that letter that I had alluded to last week and mentioned in the comments on Facebook, in, in the group anyway, that I was going to be sending out. Um, I, I just wanted this to land in the hands of the correct people before I explained it in detail online or anything. Um because by now I'm sure they've decided what to do with it. And I went and did this on my old typewriter, which I love using, on, uh, uh, what is it, an 8.5 by 14 legal size paper. Uh, I had it notarized. A lot of people argue about that kind of stuff. Um, whatever. I, I think a notary is equivalent. I mean, it, it this goes way back. Notaries go way back. And if people don't want to do a notary, that's fine. Use three witnesses and go ahead and list their military addresses. You've done the same thing as a notary, right? But uh, I'll read what I sent. And this went to Secretary of State for the state I live on, the state I was born on, and to the federal Secretary, who is Department of State, who right now is, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Mike, do you remember his name right now? Who's I don't. I, I know he's State? just been appointed by Trump, you know. Did right. you name well, him in, in your paperwork? Yeah, it went to him as well. But I want people to realize this, okay? If you go online and look up Department of State to see who the Secretary of State is right now, I want to say it's Stanley, but that's not right. It's something similar to that. But um, it'll say there, it'll say acting Secretary of State. Well, the reason why he's acting Secretary of State is because that office is void. Right now, he was placed there by Trump. Trump has nominated somebody else. He nominated actually the head of, uh, ex-head of the CIA to become um, the Secretary of State for Department of State, which, yeah, yeah, you all think he's your friend, Trump's your friend? Yeah, I think again, guys. Um, but it, it shows there that this guy currently is the acting Secretary of State. Acting means that office is empty. That office is void, okay? Now, people go look at your court cases and things like that. It will show who the acting judge is who the acting prosecutor is. Why does it say that? Because those offices are empty. Those offices are void. What's 
happening right now is they have been filled by a de facto Delaware-listed, SEC-listed company, a government servicing company that's placed officers in those positions. Uh, those original positions are sitting empty. These guys are acting in that position. All right. Anyway, um, let, let me get back to that, this letter that I wrote. It's, uh, let me see, two paragraphs. All right. And it says, Greeting Secretary. And I, I open it up uh, with one of my favorite phrases by an attorney by the name of Jerry Spence. Uh, Jerry Spence, I don't think, ever lost a court case. He was a great guy. People can look up Jerry Spence. It's G-E-R-R-Y, Spence. He's a fascinating dude. And after he left um, really working as an attorney, uh, he started up his own little school in a barn trying to teach people how to do things. And he's a very colorful character. Anyway, so I opened it up with one of his lines. I said, uh, there has come reason to believe that due to purposes of necessity, continuity, various REM and entities may have been placed in condition or classification of legal and or equitable state of possession or abeyance at all for the benefit of public or corporate interest. Confirmation is sought regarding any claim of right, title, and interest to the following property, with special attention provided to identify the type, style, or category of such claim. However, this being void of a request for relief. Should the state or its departments be without right, title, or interest to the property listed below, then an unambiguous response will resolve any further inquiry or source of action. And I listed my file number and my vehicles. And then under that, I put a timely response pursuant to FRCPI is expected. Done. So if they have a claim to any right teller of interest to me or to my vehicles or to my property, show it to me. If you don't have any, if they want to remain silent, fine. I mean, I give them time to respond. If they don't respond, then um, I'll just have to follow up with the administrative process. Everybody went quiet. Are you guys like all like trying to write, write stuff down real fast? I'm thinking they're not going to respond to ease what I'm thinking. I don't know what others are thinking, but well, see, I, 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 they respond. I, I demanded a response, so and that normally when I do that, I normally get a response. Okay. Now here's the thing: if they respond to you, then you got a contract, right? For for sure. you got a contract either way, but when they contract with you for sure, you really got one, don't you? Right. Well, and if they respond to me, well, uh, number one, 
they, I expect that they'll respond to me and say, no, we have no freaking interest in this property. What are you talking about? I, I think basically that's what they're going to say. Well, guess what you can do with a piece of paper like that? Any court action that ever happens, you bring that piece of paper and say, uh, hello, uh, uh, court administrator, judge, whatever you are, um, you're making a claim for the state upon property. I've got something right here that kind of says that they have no claim to this property. So is this a false claim? Because I, I don't want to see you get in trouble, dude. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's the key. If you put this paperwork together properly, you have got that voice should you ever have to exercise it. And, you know, you wouldn't even do that in open court. You would just send along the response that the state sent you. You would send that to the uh, court and say, hey, in the interest of the court. And this is something I always try to pound into people is that everybody's looking out for their rights and trying to protect themselves and this and that. Well, you know what? You need to kind of think about things logically because when you're dealing with an opponent, if you act like you are trying to protect the opponent, he's going to side with you more often than not. And so you go to them, you go to the judge, Hey, I'm trying to protect you, dude. I don't want to see you get any trouble, but you know, Here's the deal, and say you're making a claim, and yeah, I, I, yeah, this this could hurt you, so you might want to rethink this. I didn't want to come into court and say this, so I'm just going to send you this letter. I don't know about you, but it makes total sense to me. Yeah, you know, well, here's what I was thinking. When you make a claim that you're the claim holder, that always stands, doesn't it? If it's not been rebutted. Right, right. And that's why you give them a time to uh, respond. Okay. You know, I've read before that if you give them two chances to respond, that that really makes it very strong should you have to go into court well yeah two chances respond uh, now you're getting into the administrative process a little bit and uh the administrative process is that you send notice to somebody if they don't respond you send them a second notice of non-response hey guys you have not responded you need to respond if you don't respond uh then you stand a chance of being held in default you give them X amount of days, whatever the case may be, whether it is local, uh, nationwide, or international, and then you send them the third letter afterwards saying, listen, I gave you these two chances. There's still been no response. You are now seen as being in default, and uh, your claim is void. And any further action from you, um, well, I don't know, could be considered as assault. I don't know. Yeah. Or an act of war, an act of an act of uh 
treason, an act of rebellion. <laughs> because, you know, if if we are considered the property of the U.S. and they're making a claim against us, is that not a claim of insurrection or rebellion by them? Are they not making a claim of insurrection or rebellion against the United States and the property of the United States? That is what they're doing. They're trying to do a false claim, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, how, you want... how, can agency, how can an agency claim that property? I would thought you, no you... corporation is supposed to own or hold any anything of value. I was going to say, would you want to be put in the position of being accused of insurrection or rebellion to the United States? No, shoot, no. Hell no, not me. <laughs> Basically, work for an agency, you sure wouldn't want to be in that position. Yeah. Well, that's what puts teeth in it, in a way, right there. Absolutely. You've got to put teeth in stuff, and that's one of the things... I mean, people show me stuff. Hey, I sent this, and I haven't heard anything. And I read what they sent, and I'm like, yeah, there's no teeth here. They can throw it in the garbage, and there's no repercussion for them throwing it in the garbage. Right. You know, when I'm doing this second response letter this week, what's some of the additional teeth I could put in it, you're thinking, Brian? All right. You know, well, again, the VA and Social Security, I got to send a letter to each one of them because I – Ask them to help me out, and they just disregarded it. You know, just didn't all right. Let me ask, let me ask you a question first. When, when you sent your first letter to them, who'd you send it to? Uh, both of them was the the head guy. You know, the manager at each department. Okay, you named him. Yes. All right. Uh, did you send it registered mail? No. What I did is I sent the one through to the Social Security through the congressman and uh, the VA through uh, the senator. And so they have documented it all. Okay. Now, have you received back information from the congressman or the senator that it was received by them and who signed for it? I didn't get a sign for but I've, I got CC'd that they sent it to them, that it was all sent right. out. All right, yeah, that, that's really not good enough. Uh, you need evidence that somebody signed for it and received it on behalf. Like, I, I've sent things, like, to governors and stuff like that before, and it may not be the governor that actually signs for receiving it. It'll be normally the secretary, because the secretary has been given power of attorney to be the signatory for receiving mail, or the governor, for instance, all right? But... That's evidence that the governor received it. Well, you need to have that stuff so when you march in a court or you you push an action, you can say, okay, right here I have evidence he received this. I have evidence he received my second notice, my third notice. He's now in default. I need a ruling. Yeah, right. That's why I sent it through these representatives because that gets them involved in this now. Right. Well, represent, rep, representatives are also used to distance people from you. Um, if you notice right now, if you go to, like, listen to a YouTube, one of the popular commercials that they start playing for you 
before a YouTube right now is from Harvard Business Academy. Have you heard that? I haven't heard the commercial. Right. All right. Well, it, normally I just bleep right past them. The, the other day I I just had my stuff open and I was doing other things. I didn't have time to bleep past it. And so I, I was subconsciously listening to it. And then consciously, all of a sudden, I heard some words that I was like, oh, my God. Because one of the things that Harvard Business Academy offers with setting up a business is that they will take care of service of process for you. They will become your representative, which means if anybody has a problem with your business, guess who they have to contact? They have to contact Harvard Business Academy. Well, that's powerful for them, isn't it? Well, and it's powerful for your business if you do yeah. Harvard ah. Business Academy. That's a great idea because oh, now yeah. instead of your house, your address, somebody knocking on your door, now they have to go to Harvard Business Academy and contact somebody there. Now, if they want to come after you for a debt or anything, it's easy for them if they think they're just uh, dealing with freaking Johnny Podunk, whoever on the street with address 123 Maple Street, but if they have to go to his uh, service acceptor through Harvard Business Academy, do you think they might think twice? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, yeah. that, well, that gives them clout, you know, whoever it is that goes through the Business Academy, see? Yeah, so now they're thinking, now this, this company that wants to sue you is thinking, okay, it's easy to hit freaking John Doe on the street, uh, but now his process server is Harvard. Do we want to go after Harvard? You wouldn't want to, no. Absolutely not. That, that okay. was a smart move. How that was a I smart move the... by Harvard to offer that. Yes. Okay, how can we, as, you know, we got our representatives, how can we make them liable to us to be our representative that in that same nature right there. How can we, you know, like when I send it to them, they're forwarding and everything. They're my middleman, and you know, and proof that it was sent forward. Is there a way for me to get them more involved and make them liable a little bit and represent me against these agencies? Uh, there may be. There's be right there like that commercial was stating. There's got to be yeah, some I, kind of terminology I can put together that would, you know, like put them in a headlock and make these representatives have to work for me. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Uh, but uh, I'm not at that point education level wise yet to answer that, which I have no problem saying. But uh, when it comes right down to it, I mean, it, it's like I was saying before we started the recording. All these people that are doing these protests and stuff, they're standing up saying, as citizens of America, we expect this or that, you know. No. I mean, right there, you're saying, you're admitting that you're a slave to the state, and all you're doing is one of the slaves has a complaint. Okay, big deal. They don't give a shit about that. And I think in, in a situation like this, it really isn't much different. I, I agree, and that's the way they're playing it, see, is that all I'm doing is like out in the street protesting, you know, against, a, a, I'm just like a voter or something, which means well, nothing. Well, 
if a congressman or, or representative has allowed somebody to accept service of process for them, then they're going to be liable for it. Or at least the individual, i.e. taxpayer, man, woman, secretary who accepted it, they're going to be liable for it. And so they get drug in also. You don't just drag in whoever you sent it to, but you also drag in the representative that signed for it. Did you sign this for them? Yes, I did. Okay. Why hasn't it been answered? Right. In other words, well, the, bottom, the bottom line is so No, the bottom line is so it'll never get to that point. It never gets to that point because they don't want that information coming into the public. If I may. Um, Walter. Yes. What are you What are you doing up at this time of day or night? Uh, I finally got my uh, days and nights uh, straightened out, and I thought I might uh, add a little bit on that uh, notary acceptor because uh, that's a third party uh, inter- uh, witness that is locked in there. That uh, whoever says they didn't get that information, receive the packages that are uh, in question, the notices one and two, and possibly up to the third notice, that you have a solid third party witness that cannot be disputed. And that's what the congressman and the senator and their representative is, is filling that position, aren't they? Well, the uh, power of attorney is a very essential thing that we have to get back from them because everything we've signed in our life, um, we've given up a little bit of our um, uh, rights every time we sign a document, not knowing we were doing it. Um, but hey, uh, hey, Walter. Yes. You weren't. You weren't on the call before we started the recording. So I want to bring this up. Uh, you, you might find this interesting. <clears throat> I think it was Christopher Fleming or whatever. He was calling the IRS. And uh, when he called the IRS, I mean, gosh, it was like a 45-minute long call he made to him. And I, I was trying to pick every detail out I could. But this one thing, like, bounced out at me. And that was, uh, he was talking to the IRS agent on the phone, and he said, well, he said, I have power of attorney over that legal person. And the IRS woman bounced right up. She says, oh, she says, oh, good, good, good. Just have you sent a notice of your power of attorney for uh, that individual to the IRS? Have you sent it to us? And I thought, holy crap, they are expecting, really, that we should be showing that we have power of attorney over our legal person. We should and give notice did. that we have and power nobody, of attorney over our business, our person. Right. And nobody's doing that. I mean, I, but, for, it, but for the IRS agent, to her, that was just a natural train of thought. Right. That brings up a question in my mind about just the lady saying that. Um, When you said that and uh, I thought about it, it made me think that it's not that um, we have to do that. Um, it's then to me, it was, she was saying that, whoa, well, we've got power of attorney right now. And oh, if you got power of attorney, you now, then you need to file that so we can give up our power of attorney. 
Now, you don't give up nothing, because when a new power of attorney's been filed, the old one's gone. Exactly, Walter. Thank you. You hit it right on the head, dude. You nailed it. That's it. Because they've been holding it, because we've never stepped forward, put on our big boy pants, and taken possession of that. Wow. You know what Walter just said? You know, earlier we was talking about the birth certificate account, what needs to be updated. Remember? That's one right, of the yeah. areas that needs to be updated additionally. Yeah. Well, my attitude is that whole birth certificate is for their legal entity. It's not for the man or woman. It's up yeah. to us whether, whether we want to represent that legal entity or not. Yeah, or let them continue doing it. Once you authenticate it at the state you were born in, and then at the state of, then you hold the you've made an uh, an original title. You've taken what used to be an original title, and you've made a copy like the original. And the only one that stands in line because the first in time, first in right, you're the one that's named on said document. Minnesota Rule Two Twenty lets us all know that you know whoever's named in said title or certificate. Um, is the one that can uh, take possession of that document. Whether you're the child on a birth certificate, the mother or the father on a birth certificate, you can make a filing and become the holder in due course of that document and make it as an original. Exactly, Walter. And that's why the group is called Administrating the Estate. We are supposed to be administrating it. And we're not. We're allowing them to administer exactly. it. Exactly. A new little piece of information I came across, don't know if it's true or not, trying to find out. Uh, there's some folks that took their authenticated birth certificate, filed it into the uh, recorder of deeds, and um, ended up on a do not detain list. Do not engage. I've or, heard that people have tried to do that, and they would not let them record it because they said it's already been recorded. They won't let them record it a second time. Oh, well, um, well, when I went in to uh, record documents, just the regular court documents on the land deeds, they say, well, you can't do that. You can only record uh, titles and stuff like that and land deeds. I said, no, this is my free will deed and act, so this is a deed. So this is my deed and act, and it can be recorded. And I showed her in the statutes where we can put on the public record like that anything we want. And uh, she said, okay. So I paid my fee, and we did it. Well, you know what? When Kurt Kalmbach went into that, he got pushed back also. And he said, hold on. He said, I was created by the sperm of my father. And that word sperm kicked into land. And they said, oh, okay, no problem. Yeah, I mean, and the other one that really locked it in for him is, you know, um, from dust I came and dust I'll return. I mean, I think I am land here. So, you know, this is my stuff. Uh, needs to be filed. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, also, guys, I'm going to go off on a, a different kick here for a second. Just from what I I did today on Sunday, I went up to Tampa, hung out with Halo from Mystic, hang out with Jeff Doherty from the Christian Whistleblower. Had a great time. Oh, my Lord. Uh, came back with whole bunch of stuff. Gave them a whole bunch of stuff, too. But, you know, these earth frequencies, we've all been isolated from. 
But we're wearing rubber soles on our shoes. We have no contact with the earth. We're living in homes built on concrete slabs. Concrete doesn't absorb any residents of the earth. And I just saw some amazing things happen today. Um, you can go to my Facebook page, uh, Brian Parker, and look up some videos I posted there. Great, great stuff, man. Um, uh, we actually tested out Halo is going to be coming out with headphones with the uh, 432 hertz, which is the original frequency we should be listening to sound and music on, okay? But that was all changed to 440 hertz a few years ago, probably, I don't know, 60 years ago, all right? And, uh, and today, Halo, he said, Brian. Listen to these. And I, he put in Billy Joel. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the song now. But it's a song I, I really know. I, it's something I know from the 80s. Not very good. He, he gave it to me. I suck them in my ears. And I listened to it over 432 hertz. And I was like, wow. I thought I knew this song. I was hearing all sorts of nuances and different stuff that I've never heard before. Um, I think it's midnight, whatever, but oh, holy crap. Uh, this is some amazing stuff through Mystic. I really recommend everybody go check out Mystic. Hey, Brian, by me. S-T-E-C. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, there's a book out there called The 432 Enigma. I recommend everybody read that book. Um, yeah, the that 432 hertz, you know, was the that was the that was everything was recorded or or all the string instruments were tuned to 432 back in the you know 1800s and and you know just it all all everything seems to have come around in the early 1900s when Rockefeller, you know, got a hold of uh, pretty much everything. You know, our money. Um, Oil, the pub, uh, public schools. Yeah, yeah, public schools, um, the medical system, um, and music. You know, he he created this company in uh, Chicago, and and they started uh, tuning. They they were making drums um, that were tuned to to um, you know what it is now, uh, 440, and all the orchestras had to, you know retune all their instruments when they started buying new drums they they were tuned to that 440 and they all started buying new instruments and that's when it all changed and uh i think the beach boys did did a lot of stuff in 432 um, yeah yeah they did yeah. it was about that time and also during the beatles where they were trying yep. to change it back to 440 yep. Yep. And, and and today actually uh jeff doherty put the headphones in first earbuds in first and started listening to it and Halo just kind of tapped me. He just elbowed me and said, watch, watch. And and Jeff, he knows all this crap, or we thought he did. And all of a sudden, his eyes are bugging out. The hair on his arms was raising up like the, the hair on the back of your neck raises up. It, he just turned and looked at us, and we're laughing. We're laughing at him. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, it was. It was amazing, amazing shit today. 
And I, I'm going to be posting. I'll be posting more stuff about Mystic, and uh, anybody can find stuff about Jeff Doherty through me. If you go to um, our spiritual group for Tactical Sovereignty, it's called Origins of Eternity by Tactical Sovereignty. Origins of Eternity by Tactical Sovereignty. Because you know, when I started really looking into all the legal aspects of things, you know. I really thought I was going to find a lot of atheists and haters and stuff like that. I found some of the most spiritual people I have ever met, which blew my mind. And the more and more that I research legal BS, it opened my eyes and I said, oh, my God, this is all based on spirituality. But not spirituality. It was more based on religion man-made ideas of spirituality and it was mimicking religion and that's exactly what's happened with the courts it's a mimic of religion take a look at your church take a look at your courtroom they mimic each other look at the freaking judge up there in a robe look at your priest up there in a robe it all mimics each other And there was there was a clue to it in the First Amendment. The First Amendment said that Congress shall make no law respecting any establishment of religion. Oh, okay, good. So what's all the stuff that they wrote after that? Those are for the establishment. And establishment, if you look into it, is you and I. It's our body. It's our household. After the First Amendment, they wrote all that stuff for people who haven't decided what they're following. Kind of plain and simple. So, and the presumption, declare who you're following. It's that simple. Yeah, notices. Yeah, notices, very easy. Publication. Oh, and, and I want to mention something else I haven't talked about yet. And I started it about three weeks ago. Um, I started doing grounding. Okay. Because, like I said, you know, we've got rubber on the soles of our feet, rubber's on the tires of the vehicle, uh, concrete slabs our homes are built on. We are not absorbing anymore. We're not absorbing the earth energy, the the 7.83 energy. And right now I'm wearing like three or four bands that Halo gave me today. Well, gave me it. Anyway. Uh, but they're tuned into that 783 frequency. And I've noticed my whole mindset totally flipped the past few weeks since I started doing this. And my normal night, I, I'll give you some insight into my life. My normal night, I will wake up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning in severe pain because of an accident that I was in a number of years ago. And I have to get up, and I have to take something that will put me back to sleep so I can get a full night's sleep. Well, since I made the grounding mat for my bed, and that grounding mat is a wire mat that lays underneath the the sheet, and it has a copper wire attached to it. The copper wire goes outside, 
and it stuck down in the ground through a copper rod. That's the way I did it. The very first night I did that, I did not wake up at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning in pain. I woke up at 10 o'clock in the morning pain-free. After that first night that I did that, I was like, holy crap. There's a chair I always sit on out of my own eye and research stuff on the computer. I said, today, before I do anything, I need to make something to sit on. So I made a grounding mat for me to sit on the chair. I ran that out to the grounding wire. And then I thought back to some of the research I'd done where I grew this mat. And they had shown plants that had the grounding wires actually connected to the wire being used for those plants. And certain plants grew way better than others. And I thought, wait a second. If that water is doing so much good for the plant, then why aren't we grounding our water? And so I ran a copper wire into the tank in my kitchen for my water. And that's the water I use now. I take my tank. My tank is totally pure water. has nothing in it. totally eliminated of everything. I, and I go and I add back in minerals into it. Add H2O2 into it. And I put some willow water into it. That way, these energies from the earth have something to connect with. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And so I'm also drinking that water now. And I've noticed such a huge difference physically, mentally, emotionally. You know what? I've noticed it more emotionally than anything else. Because my emotions regarding certain situations have totally changed. And it even makes makes me sit back and go, oh, my God, what's going on here? I'm not the Brian that I was a year ago, two years ago, six months ago. I think these are things that we all need to be looking into because these are things that have been hidden from us. Well, I I think this is a bunch of stuff you could benefit from, Walt. I just got my diatomaceous earth in uh, here just recently, the food grade. Um, dietary supplement. I'm going to start my regimen of that. And if I can't start with the parasites and uh, funguses and stuff of that nature, cleaning out the intestines and the bloodstream. Uh, I've seen some good reports on that diatomaceous earth. Um, yeah, the diatomaceous earth, you know, to explain that to people that might be listening, <clears throat> I'll explain to you what it looks like if you look at it under a microscope. Under a microscope, it's a small, it looks like little small tubes that are open at both ends, like they're hollow. But all through the sides of them, there's holes also. So what happens with the diatomaceous earth 
is that when it passes through your blood vessels, is it, and those edges are also very sharp. So what's happening is they are cutting up and chopping up any bad worms or anything like that that are in you. And I'll tell you what, this is funny. I sprinkle this on my dog's food, okay? When their food bowl's empty, I fill it up. I sprinkle on the dog food, and the dogs eat. Well, the other day, I hadn't sprinkled it on the dog's food yet. I just filled up the food bowl, and I set it down there. And uh, Honey Bear, my red mole, she came up. She looked out at the food sat there and just looked up at me. It's like, what's up with this, Dan? <laughs> and I went and grabbed the diamagus earth, sprinkled it on there, shook the bowl up, and then she ate. <laughs> because, and when they run out of food, it's not that, okay, there's no more, no more food in the bowl, so they quit eating. They lick the bowl out. Uh. They love it. I, I watched a thing with a guy on YouTube a while ago where he put it in, in the water. Like, if the water you should be drinking also won't, open in the water, shake it up, and, and drink one a day, right? Uh, he put some out for his dog, and he had a bowl of water with a diamagus earth in it, and he had a bowl of water without. The dogs did not touch the water that did not have the diamagus earth in it. They only drank the one with the diamagus earth. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be able to see those under a microscope myself um, on a video. And uh, there's a bunch of different sizes. There's, there's, they look like little tiny wheat checks in different shapes, tubes, squares, little round shapes, um, flat, long. And they came from the... Uh, uh, life form called diatoms. Diatoms. Yep. yep, diatoms. Brian? Hey, who's this? This is Val. I I always crack up. Whatever you're sending and sharing, it's always something I've been researching like that day. And I was just reading about aluminum, which we're getting a lot of aluminum in our systems. And dimatious earth is one of the best things to help get rid of it, to help pull that out of your body. Oh, yes, really? I've, not read, I've not read that. That's good info. Yeah. Detoxifier, just like our hair is a detoxifying process. It even helps it lie along even better. The guy's hair, he has to go get his hair cut now once every three weeks because his hair grows um, an inch every three weeks because of the diatomaceous earth. Yeah, well... I've got to go get a haircut. I had to get a haircut like five days ago. I didn't have time. I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. Because I was only getting my haircut like once every two months. And I've got to get my haircut like once every three weeks now. Yeah, that's that diatomaceous earth. And I'm shy on the top, so I'm hoping it might start growing. (laughs) Hey, Lord's trying to tell you something there, Samson. (laughs) Yeah, Samson. Well, and that's where a lot of our energy comes from, our hair. And that's one of the things that they've put into the food products causes men to lose their hair. 
it causes men to lose their antennae, their antennas, to where they can pick up on what's going on around them. Uh, your hair is your antennae. It, it is an extension of uh, your nervous system. Reminds me of my favorite Martian. Yeah. Well, let me see. What time is it? 8.41. It's been an hour. Um, I might end the recording here, but I'll leave everything open so we can continue talking. Um, but it, it's funny how we start out always talking about legal stuff and we drift into spiritual. Hey, Brian, if I may. Hey, what's up, brother? Yeah, back to the grounding. Um, I heard that uh, cement does, you you are grounded on cement. I mean, it is earth. It's sand and gravel and water. I mean. Um, I've, I've, I've seen tests done, and it really doesn't show it that it works as well, that there is a minimal amount, but not that it should be. I mean, um, I've heard you go in your basement in the winter, and you can, you know, go barefoot on the cement, and you're grounding. And again, our our homes are grounded. I don't know if I if you mentioned that our water systems are grounded, um, you know, and we have a ground wire in the home in each plug, you know, the little round hole in the bottom uh, between the two prongs is a grounding plug, and uh, they make ground wires, or you can make your own to you know connect to yourself when you're sleeping, you know, just right. plug it right into that grounding plug and. All right, here's here's my problem with that. When I research making my grounding mat for my bed and for something to sit on outside, which, by the way, I have a hard time getting a chance to sit on that mat that I made for myself outside because the dogs are always on it. Go figure. But um, when I was researching that and how to do it, whether I should stick it outside, and everybody was showing how to use the plug in your home. Uh, the problem that came up to me was that we have too many EMFs and things like that in our homes, especially through the smart meters and stuff, that infiltrate all of our electrical systems that you are not getting a good source by using that. Oh, I don't have a smart meter yet. All right. Well, and I hope you never do. But, again, I but I'm fighting. I, I I saw that as a big negative side, and that's why I ran a wire outside. And I'll tell you what, I was talking to Jeff and Halo about this today, because we were talking about grounding. Um, when I went to do my mat, I stopped and thought afterwards. I'm like, okay, what am I going to ground this with? I didn't know of anything that I had. And then I remembered that a shop had closed up near me, well, in the next town, that they were selling a lot of Organite products. And they asked me to make some mushrooms that people could stick, like, in their garden and stuff that were Organite with a copper. There is a copper wire with Organite on top. And I thought, oh, crap. So I went out and I grabbed one of those Organite mushrooms 
and wrapped the wire on it and stuck that down on the ground. And that's what I used. I'm like, gosh, this is even better than just a regular rod. I don't know what an organite mushroom is. Well, it's it looks like a mushroom on top, but the inside of it, it it's all organite products. And if you don't know organite, uh, I would suggest going online and looking up organite. Yeah, it's just a mineral, right? Oh, the, it's multiple minerals. What you do is you layer organic and inorganic. Uh, minerals. This comes from technology from Wilhelm Reich. All right. Uh, he was another one like Tesla where they stole all his shit and threw him in prison to die. Uh, Wilhelm Reich came here from Europe because he thought he might have more freedom in America. I guess he found out Otherwise, at the end, but yeah, and, and what it does, it's actually a transmuter, uh, not transmitter, but transmuter. What it does is it pulls in negative and it puts out positive, which are actually called negative ions, puts out negative ions, which are positive ions. This is the same thing that happens at, say, for instance, Niagara Falls. Uh, at Niagara Falls, you know, so many people, like, get married, they get engaged, they fall in love at Niagara Falls. The reason why is because all these negative ions are being produced from the waterfall. And it makes everybody feel all giddy and in love and stuff. That's the power behind Niagara Falls when it comes to love. And so, you know, every time I meet a chick I'm interested in, I make sure I give her a piece of organite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you take her to Niagara Falls. No, no, I just have to give her a piece of organite. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, though. Uh, but uh, actually, uh, Jeff may be selling these products on his website uh, to help him out and myself. I mean, I've never really tried to put them out there for people for reverses. I normally just give them away to people. Uh, but but anyway, they might be accessible at some point on On Jeff's site, the Christian whistleblower. Um, I'll be meeting with him in a couple of days. We're going to go over that more and figure out how we want to do it. Because that means I'm going to have to go to work and start making more of them. Which, I, I mean, I already have 100 pieces or so around the house, but uh, I, I really want to make specific pieces for people that go to his site and for people like you and others that want some, because I want them to be specific for certain things. Hey, Brian. Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, this is Jeff Thomason. Hey, I I keep trying to give Jeff, my wife Jeff. a piece. 
Yeah. Jeff, tell me, who's, who, I don't know if I know you. Who are you? Jeff Thomason. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar. Uh, but anyway, I, I wanted your <laughs> suggestion. I keep yeah, trying to give my wife yeah, a piece yeah. of organite, and yeah, she kicks you know me in it. Yeah, <laughs> you, Jeff, you know I'm screwing with you, right? I know, right, brother. I'm <laughs> just teasing anyway. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Everybody on here, and people listening, <clears throat> Go become friends with with Jeff Thomason on Facebook because Jeff actually takes stuff and he does things with it. He doesn't just listen and say, okay, whatever. No, he actually uses it. So pay attention to what freaking Jeff does. Anyway, go ahead, Jeff. No nah, man, you're you're spot on. That was a beautiful thing that you've done tonight and uh you guys are awesome. Thank you. Well uh, my night tonight pretty much was just hanging out with freaking uh Jeffrey the Christian whistleblower and hanging out with Halo from Mistech. And I recommend everybody to check them out. And as far as uh, Jeff the Christian Whistleblower goes, if you've been wrapped up in Christianity your whole life, it might be a hard listen. Um, but I-, I found a way around it. Okay. I I was in the Christian atmosphere my whole life. I've always considered myself a Christian. I'll tell you what. I still consider myself a Christian. And the reason why is because the definition of Christian, if you go into Webster's Dictionary or whatever, is somebody that believes in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And whether Jesus, Jay, never existed, uh, whatever, Christ, Christ is one that is anointed. Okay, whatever. But those teachings, if people follow those teachings, they would be fine. Now, if you look at Christianity and look at what has been given to people today, which has been Roman, Roman, I'll say it again, Roman, Pauline, the Apostle Paul, holy, I don't know how he got labeled an Apostle, but Paul, Christianity, compare him. Compare what Paul said to what the Red Letter Edition says. Because the Red Letter Edition of the Scripture from Yeshua does not say the same message that Paul was preaching. That's a bitter pill for Christians to swallow. I know it is. Very bitter very bitter pill for Christians to swallow. But I sat down one day and pulled up my Tyndale and looked at the red letter edition. And I read what Yeshua said. What the Christ said. Compared to what we've been taught by Paul. Paul told us something different. 
I admonish everybody to research that and then organize your thoughts after that. Organize. Orgones. <laughs> there we go again. Anyway. Well, I guess we can wrap this call up. Anybody have anything to uh, conclude at the end here? All right. If not, uh, you know, my message this week, last week, next week, my message is always the same. My message is you need to learn where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are. Let me say that one more time. You need to know. You need to know where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are. Because it's much different than you've been taught. I want to say rest in peace. (laughs) You sure you want to say that? Isn't that what you say when somebody dies? Yeah. I want to say rest in peace this week to Art Bell. Oh, I'm sorry. He, he, you know, a lot of people have different viewpoints in Art Bell, but he brought on some great guests that I learned a lot of stuff from. Spent a lot of nights freaking delving into their info. And that, I was going to mention that to uh, Jeffrey now, even though if he's aware that Art Bell's passed. Uh, Jeffrey been on Art Bell's show two, three, four times. He's been on there with Art Bell quite a few times. And I know uh, Jeff Doherty had a great relationship with Art Bell. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, that's what it really comes down to. We really need to learn where we're really at, who we are, really are, where we're really from. Good. All of this has been a misconception. When we figure those things out, then we can turn to the opposing party because the opposing party, guess what? They don't know where they're really from or who they really are. Good night, guys. Good night, Brian. Thanks. Great call. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.